Welcome to VB Engage episode 31. My name is Stuart Rogers. I'm with VentureBeat. And as ever, I am joined by the author of Digital Sense, the marketing technology genius that is Travis Wright. Travis, how on earth are you doing today? I am amazing, Mr. Stewart. Thank you for asking, good sir. I really appreciate that. You have had an amazing week. You've been all over one part of the world, right? Uh, you could say that every week, that I have been yeah, all over one part all of the over world. over one part of the world. That's great. Yeah. Otherwise known as traveling, I've been in Helsinki. Helsinki. Yes. Very nice. Not hell floaty, but Helsinki. Um, and it has been very, very cold. I mean, I, I know I'm going to have to put this in Fahrenheit, and you know, so I do apologize uh, to everybody who understands Celsius like me. Um, I can maybe do both. But uh, for those of you in Fahrenheit land, it was somewhere between, depending on the day, and you could never really tell. Um, even the, the, the weather forecasts weren't quite right because they would say one thing before and then you'd go to bed and you'd wake up and it would be a completely different situation. So you, you couldn't trust the forecasts. Mm. Um, you know, and that's, that's a fairly Scandinavian thing. You really can't trust the forecast. It changes like instantly. But it was between 20 and 30 degrees every day. That's insane. Yes. For the Celsius-minded among you, uh, you will know that that is uh, somewhere between minus 7 and minus 1 each day. Um, mm. I think there was one day where we might have got up to 0, which is 32. That's a heady height, if ever I heard of one. That's seriously cold. But you know what? You are up there in the land of uh, Thor and whatnot. I think I met Thor this morning. Uh, when I was uh, walking to go and get my lunch, um, there was a guy who was dressed in just a pair of jeans and a shirt in this weather. Everybody else, including me, was wrapped up in multiple layers of coats and jackets and jumpers and shirts and T-shirts underneath that. Right. Uh, but there was this one guy who was uh, quite clearly a Viking. <laughs> he, was, uh, he was just walking around in a shirt. Um, admittedly, he did run across the road at speed where everybody else walked, so I don't, I don't think he was meant to be out in a shirt. <laughs> yeah, probably not. You know what? I'll actually do that sometimes. I, I'm a big fan of shorts, and so I will wear shorts whenever. And it really has to be pretty cold to not wear shorts, but you know what? That's just my own style. Or i got to be up on stage somewhere. I'm not going to be wearing shorts up on stage. I don't want to do that to anybody. But you were actually, you were in Helsinki for a couple of events this week, correct? Yeah, that's right. And, you know, that's where we're getting pretty much our news from this week is, is really to sort of talk through those events and the trends and the things that we've seen and, uh, you know, what's actually happening. So first event was Next Day North. Now, Next Day North is a customer event put together by a company called Comptel. Comptel have been around a long, long time, and they provide all sorts of solutions, products, and services for the uh, telecom industry. You know, obviously, telecom is uh, just like everybody else, trying to figure out how to do business in the 21st century. And, and what's really nice about Next Today North is it's, for, for me, there's maybe three or four customer events that go on each year that I would consider the gold standard for how you're supposed to run a customer event. Mm -hmm. And Comtel's Next Today North is, is one of those. And, and the reason I regard it so highly is because it doesn't feel like a customer event, and that's the point. You know when you go to these customer events and it's like a day or two days of the vendor basically standing up and saying, and we're now launching this new thing that you can spend your money on with us. 
and we're also launching this new service. And, and those conferences get to be so like <sighs> brain draining. <laughs> like, I mean, I go to a lot of conferences. I mean, I've spoken at in the last three years, I've spoken at 130 conferences all over the world. And a lot of them have great agendas, but some of them, when you, you're right on, if you're going to a customer event and here's like, and here's our product manager and here's this guy and here's this, and like, you know what? Let me hear some customers. Let me hear some some case studies. Give me something. Bring me somebody that's interesting outside of your company. You know, the- yeah, and, and what they did, which is what I think is is uh, the right way to go for these types of customer events, is they did they did one single product launch, and it's a significant product. So you know, it was worth taking up fifteen minutes of everyone's time to do that. But the rest of it was a proper tech event with. Really amazing speakers. You know, we had uh, Kenneth Kukia, who's the data editor at The Economist. Uh, we had David Meerman Scott, who a lot of people would know as a, a sales and marketing strategist. John Wolski, who is the culture evangelist at Zappos. Um, Mike Walsh, who is a futurist and, uh, you know, he's CEO of a, a company called Tomorrow. So many amazing, really amazing speakers. Uh, Songul uh, Balakaya, she's the Pan-IP IT program lead for T-Systems. Really, really, really good quality. Uh, Chris Messina was there. Um, you know, are, talking. are any of these videos available online? Are they, uh, yeah, absolutely. All available online. You we know, have a asked, link down here, I guess. We'll, we'll include a link. Yeah, we'll, we'll put it in the show notes. It's really interesting. They set the bar really, really high. Um, in terms of the, the, the people that they invited. Um, and they also had me speak just so that they've got somewhere to go next year to, to you know, Take it to the bring the bar level. back down a little bit right. just so that they can get over it next year. So right. they brought, brought me in to sort yeah. of bring whoever, the level down. Whoever is booking your keynote gigs, I need to be introduced to them because <laughs> you're, you're going all kinds of great places, man. <laughs> there were a lot of interesting threads. So, and a lot of it ties in actually quite nicely with, with what we talk about on VP Engage. Um, Certainly, one of the things that kept on coming up was artificial intelligence and how it's going to change things. And specifically, everyone is thinking short term that, you know, the customer service and and community areas of business are going to be affected by AI first. And I agree with that. You know, we're going to see artificial intelligence basically getting rid of all of the menial, repetitive tasks that customer service people have to do mm-hmm. so that they can focus instead on only being brought in once we get past that repetitive menial part, right? Which means that you could actually hire the same amount of customer service people, but deal with more calls and deal with them more effectively and deal with them at an expert level. So, you know, customer service then goes goes up, right? So that's that's a really interesting thing. We talked about mobile a lot. My speech at uh, Next Today North was all about brand new customer research. So I, I, I surveyed... Uh, some consumers in terms of how they use their smartphones. Not too many surprises in the data, except for the VR. And we've talked about VR a lot, right? Quite a bit. How did you conduct this survey? Did you use a tool for the survey, or did, you, did we do it internally? How, how did we collect the data? Um, yeah, you'll be pleased to know that uh, uh, we actually used Polfish again. Boom, um, very nice. We interviewed absolutely. the CEO there. Very cool. We certainly did. Yeah, we pulled in all that data and we had Ray, a look but at Harry it. will be happy to hear about that. Absolutely. <laughs> Ray has actually, uh, don't forget, moved on now from Polfish. Ray has gone on to uh, some uh, new challenges. Of course, we're still in, in touch with uh, with Polfish because they're helping us out with uh, with surveys. And we also, for consumer data, work with Savata, who are um, mm-hmm. also great at doing uh, consumer polls for us. 
the VR thing was kind of interesting. I, I wasn't expecting the result that I got. Um, so I asked the uh, the consumers, I, I said, look, how many of you have tried a VR experience on your mobile device? I split that down. I actually asked multiple frames uh-huh. of question. I, I wanted to know if they'd done it multiple times. I wanted to know if they'd only done it once, if they were interested in doing it. Um, and are you, and were you segmenting it from like cardboard versus like HTC Vive or, you know, sort of like full on ones or all included? Um, I was uh, specifically going after people who wanted to uh, check out VR on a mobile device, not any okay. of the high end units. Gotcha. Because okay. I've previously done research on uh, on the high end VR units. So this was rounding the story out and uh, getting data on the mobile stuff. And what was quite interesting was that. Almost two-thirds of consumers either have or want to try VR on their mobile device. Mm. Now, that's significantly higher than I thought it was going to be. Mm. What What was that number again? What was that number? Um, It's almost two-thirds of consumers. Oh, wow. Very nice. I think that makes sense because, I mean, it's an interesting space. I mean, we all have a mobile phone and... You know, I picked up one of those, it's it's like, I got it from China, it's called a VR box, and it's like cardboard, it was like 20 bucks, 25 bucks, and it's very good quality, I'm able to take my iPhone 6, 6S Plus, plug it in there, and I'm able to do quite a few really cool VR experiences, however, I don't do it very often, you know what, I have a lot of apps on here, but it's like, I don't know what it is, if there's there something that's prohibiting me from wanting to do it more often, I have it available at my fingertips anytime I want to do it. But I bet I've only probably done it probably still less than 10 times with my mobile phone. There's a lot of people out there who say that VR is going to be top-down and it's going to be the people who buy the high-end units that then go and talk about it and there's going to be word of mouth and everybody else is going to want to get involved. There's other people who say that it's going to be a bottom-up approach and it's going to be the mobile users who drive mass adoption and then people say, oh, actually, wouldn't it be great if we got the better thing, right? Wouldn't it be great if we got the high-end unit? What is kind of interesting is when I did my research on high-end units, one of the things I said very categorically and clearly is that Sony are going to win. And Sony are going to sell considerably more units than anybody else. In fact, I said three times as many. Mm. Not just because of the PlayStation, um, which obviously, you know, at the time of launch, there was over 40 million PlayStations in field. So attaching an extra accessory to it is is a very easy thing for people to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Even the PlayStation Pro is like a, you know, it's like a $400 unit, even if you, you buy the Pro version, right? Um, the, and how, the much is the, is, how much is the uh, the VR for that? $400, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're thinking you could, about that, though, and you look at like, oh, if I want to get an HTC Vive, well, I got to get a really badass computer for one. And then I got to get the headset, which is another, what, $800. And so you're looking at almost a $2,000 to $2,500 expense to get in there versus if you already have a PlayStation and you just got to buy a $400 component to fit onto it, then that's a no-brainer. It's really interesting to me in terms of the, the sort of sales estimates and you know what people are saying. I haven't seen any official figures yet, but uh, some of the rumors that I've seen would suggest that uh, Sony has managed to grab the biggest chunk of the uh, of the market share right now, mm-hmm. um, as far as the high end units are oh. concerned. What about Xbox and Hololens and that? I mean, is Microsoft? Have we heard anything about what they're going to do to combine those? We've all played around with Hololens. Uh-huh. Um, 
back in uh, Lisbon, Robert Scoble was walking around with one inside his jacket, like a mm-hmm. like a dodgy mobile phone salesman. <laughs> Bless you, Robert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we've all been trying it for for ages. We're a little bit away from a consumer unit yet. Um, it's going to be a while before you see a consumer unit. So we're we're waiting, uh, sort of playing a waiting game with Microsoft yeah. to see. What I love they how do. that's wireless. You know, to me, it's like you know, I've tried on the, the Vive, I've used the Oculus, I've uh, seen some of the other ones. But the thing is, is that when you have that whole device right there and you have this huge honking, you know, wire that's attached to the back of it and it's like, you know, behind you and it's just, it's kind of obnoxious. The HoloLens, when it doesn't have about, you know, it doesn't have wires and has battery. I mean, that to me seems more appealing, but then you sort of get into frame rate issues and resolution potential, but technology is getting much better. But it just, it's just those wires to me are so constrictive. That's one of the reasons why I do like the mobile you know, VR box to be able just to put my phone there and, and do that. But it, it's definitely a little different. I, I hate those wires. I won't adopt those, you know, using VR all the time with those high end with a wire all the time. It's got to be a little better. Absolutely. And it's, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with mixed reality. But we are a little bit away away from consumer units are going to make that work. That's why VR is, is going to be the thing for now. And then from next to day north, went on to slush. Very and nice. slush is the is the big big tech event. Mm-hmm. And slushes um, are delicious. I went, <laughs> went to Sonic and had a slush the other day. Fruit punch slush with nerds. <laughs> yeah, in, in Helsinki they think you guys are absolutely crazy because of course, uh, basically <laughs> anyone who's been to the United States and had a slushy from Finland where they could just basically grab snow anytime they like. I think right. why are you taking snow and pouring? <laughs> colored liquid on it because it doesn't have chemicals in it there Sven <laughs> well I can eat this I'm gonna eat um, this just out of the air I don't know I don't know if our air quality is high enough today <laughs> uh, Slush is one another one of those amazing tech conferences uh, like Web Summit that we were at uh, a few weeks ago uh, which of course we'll talk about today a little bit it's one of those amazing tech conferences that started out with like literally a few hundred people in fact I went to the speaker's dinner, and uh, the, the CEO of Slush was there, and basically she said, you've got to realize when we first started it, there were probably fewer people at Slush than there are in this room, <laughs> and that was just the speaker's dinner. Right? Nice. I think they had something like 17,000 people there. It's an amazing, really well put on event, right in the middle of uh, Helsinki. It's a sort of a dark, it's, everything's very blue. And it's cold outside, and you get in there, and they've got multiple stages. The founder's stage, which is the really big stage, that's quite a sight to behold. Um, mm. You know, again, you can see a lot of this stuff online, so you can have a look at it for yourself. Of course, they've got the real huge headliner stars that are there, and um, you know, the, the opening keynote speech on day one was Chris Sacker. Just everything about Slush was was awesome and incredible. Lots of startups there, but uh, lots of the same themes. You know, in terms of where we're going in the future, artificial intelligence uh, reared its head again. So, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be a really important thing for next year. Again, just lots and lots of really awesome tidbits. I ran a panel on the Black Stage, which was great fun. Um, the Black Stage was in the round, and there were probably, you know, a thousand people around us. It was a fireside chat stage with a real fire in the middle. We had a, a fire pit. Mm. in the middle of the stage. Well, that's important because most of the times they say, hey, we're having a little fireside chat with no fire, no fake no fire. fire, no picture was, of a fire. There was plenty of fire at Slush. The The entire founder stage was uh, on fire for most of the event. That's Black to stage. keep the guests from turning blue. Though, 
we were sat in the round, and then they had one of those uh, Nokia Ozo uh, super expensive 360-degree cameras um, sitting right there so that uh, you could actually watch the fireside chat in uh, full 360-degree video. Very nice. Yeah, very, very cool. And those are available as well. We can watch those online. We can put in our mobile device into our little cardboard and rock and roll. I am assuming so, sir. Um, so, yeah, that that's beautiful. If you want to see me, you know, at Next Day North cracking three Beyonce jokes in the first 30 seconds and um, actually talking about the future of retail payments, um, including mobile payments, but also including blockchain, and actually managing to make a Trump joke about blockchain, if you want to see that, uh, we'll put the links in the uh, show very notes. Very nice, for very nice. So this, this has been an epic time for amazing conferences going on in Europe, right? So you just went to two of those, and then a couple of weeks ago we were at Web Summit where we were able to interview some of the most amazing people in the tech space, right? And so you know that's where we are today is that we're starting our first round of the Web Summit. We finally got the, the first video, which was our interview with the CEO of Imager, Alan Schaff, and we, we got the audio out of that. We're actually, we'll, we'll post the audio of this, and then we'll also send a link to where the actual video of this is if you want to watch the video as well. So we, we normally keep all of these as, as audio only, as you know. That may change in the future because Stuart and I are really, really handsome on video, and so we probably ought to be getting out there a little more. If you missed it, make sure that uh, you definitely, definitely listen to, uh, to Jesse Hanley last week because that was a fantastic interview. But now we get to go and uh, this was a pretty exciting moment. We did our very first episode of VB Engage live on stage at Web Summit. So it's time to hear from uh, Alan Scharf, isn't it, Travis? Shall we do this? Well, first they're going to hear from us because there's going to be a smattering of applause. This was like literally 45 minutes after the crowd learned that Trump was going to be president. Yes. And, so they and are we very were, lively we were, and so happy. It was the best crowd. It's almost like the worst crowd you could possibly want to get in front of ever. So, uh, yeah, we basically just uh, ran on stage and bounced around like Tigger out of Winnie the Pooh until everybody take, took notice of us. So uh, listen out for that. Too. All right. Here we go. Let's start it, brother. Ladies and gentlemen, from Venture Beat for the first ever live edition of VB Engage, please put your hands together for Stuart Rogers and Travis Wright. Good Hello, day, you wonderful people. Yeah. Yes. How are you? How is everybody? Woo! Yes. Audience participation. We like that. We like There's that. so many peoples. Look at all the peoples. My name is Stuart Rogers. I'm with VentureBeat. VentureBeat spends its day feeding 12 million people a month the tech news and what it matters in their lives. And we have VB Engage. Tell them about VB Engage. So, VB Engage is our weekly podcast. Comes out every week. That's why we call it weekly. And uh, <laughs> we, we interview some of the most amazing people in technology and in marketing. And we're really brutally honest about marketing. There's no fluff BS in here. We're, we're kind of mean sometimes. Not really, but we, we got some jokes, right? Yeah, I mean, we, what we do normally is we have a big news segment, and then we have a guest interview. So in the news segment, we talk about marketing technology news, mobile. We'll crack a few jokes. We won't normally talk about big news. I, I don't know if there's been any big news recently. You know, we wouldn't talk, for example, about the Canadian immigration website going down last night. We wouldn't talk about that, no. Um, we that talk about news. marketing that was, news, that was right? Really big news, actually. That was big news. Canadian uh, immigration website went down for some reason today. That's right. So weird. 
But what we do do is we bring out a guest, and we want to focus this entire session on our guest. Travis, who is our guest today? Today, we are blessed, ladies and gentlemen. We have with us the CEO of Imager. Let's give a big, huge Web Summit round of applause for Mr. Alan Schaff. Look good, hey guys. brother. Nice to see you, Thanks sir. So Thank you. Take a Thank seat, you. man. It's great Thank to see you. you. It's awesome to be here. Thank you. Hey, I got the little chair. I'm you got the little chair. That's all right. Put a short guy in the little chair. That's not fair. Short right? guy in a little chair. <laughs> Oh, Alan, it's fantastic to see you. Um, thank you so much for being with us here on the, uh, the very first on-stage VB Engage. I mean, how do you feel about that? Feels great. Feels great. The audience is huge. actually, it's huge. <laughs> uh, and I'm really excited to see that. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, tell us, you know, to begin with, tell us a little bit about Imager. Uh, I'm sure everybody in here knows about Imager. Put your hands up if you know about Imager. Yes. Few people. Um, what you might not know is about Imager's evolution and how you got where you are. So tell us a little bit about the evolution. Just fill us in with the backstory. Yeah, so, uh, you know, the backstory is really interesting. I started the company off of $7, which is the only money I've ever invested personally into Imager, and that was for the domain name. Nice. And ever since wow. then, it just really, really latched on, and it grew and evolved. And I, I think that Imager ha is a product that has really been shaped and built by the internet. It's been built by the people that love Imager and by the people that were sending me their suggestions and I really took that to heart. And so now it's evolved and our, and our vision has evolved into uh, like what we want to do is lift the world's spirits for a few moments every day. Right. And that might mean experiencing things that make you laugh or make you feel inspired or supportive or or whatever it is, like that's the feeling that you get uh, after you, know, you download our app and you browse through a little while. And so our mission is to surface up the world's most entertaining content. Nice. Because I, I actually think that the social internet these days, it has a problem. It has like a big problem in that it's boring and it's stale. And you go onto these social platforms and you see the same expected stuff by the same expected people that you are friends with in, the, in your physical world. And so you get trapped into this little box or this little echo chamber of the same kind of stuff. Um, and our motto at Imager is to break you out of your friends list, get you to experience new things and new people and geek out on some new interests. Just to put that in perspective, ladies and gentlemen, I once spent $15 on a latte in San Francisco. So $7, that's a good investment, right? It turned out all right for you, it looks like, huh? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I suppose. So, What's interesting to me about Imager is that there's a lot of really funny memes and, and, and GIFs or GIFs as you would, what do you say? First of all, GIFs or GIF, what do you say? GIFs, you I feel very GIF? strongly about GIFs. You feel very strongly about GIFs, yeah. okay. Yeah, because so I'm a founder and I no. feel like founders get a say in that kind of thing. Okay. And the founder of the GIF format calls it GIF. Right. So I'm gonna honor his wishes okay. and Even though he was GIF. wrong, you're gonna honor his wishes, <laughs> yeah. that's good. It's, it's computer right. graphics. <laughs> if he, if he created the graphic, thing, he probably gets to say. Right? I remember, that's so great. So <laughs> what I wanna do is I wanna explore about the, the sort of the geek culture that, that goes on with an imager, right? Because there's so many memes and there's so many GIF GIFs being shared and so many just different hilarity, uh, you know, so much creativity popping in there. So how have you curated this geek culture, or did it sort of happen organically on its own? I think it would be hard to really engineer something like that. Um, and instead it happened very organically. And I actually believe that products are a reflection of their founder. And so I'm a geek. 
And that means I'm you know, usually into things, uh, and I'm very passionate about these things, and not afraid to show them, that are traditionally like geeky things. So this, right. is, this is tech, this is sci-fi, this is space, uh, this is video games. And so um, I think it was kind of built into the DNA of the site uh, from the very beginning. And especially since the platform has been kind of evolved off of what the internet wants, of course, people who are really passionate about the internet right. are also you know, traditionally pretty geeky types of people. But just take a look around, right? The world is getting geekier. And really, the science is all around any us. Any geeks here, by the way? No? No geeks. So, yes. so I, know that, I know that's not too many people are raising their hands, and I know that's not true, because we actually have stats on this stuff, right. uh, where there's 83 million millennials uh, in the United States, and 60% of them self-identify as being a hardcore geek. And what that means, it doesn't mean the same thing as it used to I don't know, maybe 20 years ago. Today, it just means that you're really passionate about your interests. Right. And you know, I actually noticed your Spider-Man pin on your collar right there. And like, you know, before Spider-Man and comics were pretty kind of a geeky thing. And you know, you know, I don't know if you would necessarily go around like showing that off if you weren't very proud of it. Yeah. And so you're very proud and passionate about your interests. Um, and now, of course, we have Comic-Cons in like every major city. And you look at the video game industry and how it makes more money than the box office. Right. And actually, Ooh. speaking of the box office, uh, you look at the top grossing movies of all time, it's about dinosaurs and uh, pirates and magic princesses and space travel. And like, those are traditionally pretty geeky things as well. And people with blue skin as well, right? <laughs> and people with blue skin. Yeah. <laughs> So we talk a lot on VB Engage about how we sell and market products and services to a 21st century audience, an audience that has one of these within three feet of them, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, an audience that on average wakes up and checks social media within 22 seconds after they open their eyes. That's a very different marketplace to the one even five years ago. You know, how has the smartphone changed everything for you, and what have you done in terms of reaching that kind of audience, and how do they align with the geek culture? Oh, yeah. I mean, smartphones have changed everything. Um, I mean, we all, we all know that. The first thing people do when they wake up is they check their smartphone. And a lot of our users, actually, the first thing they do is they check Imager. And I think the reason that is is because it's like your little daily dose of kind of, of positivity. Like it gets your day kind of started off right. You right. see this kind of content that you wouldn't see anywhere else and always kind of you know, lifts your spirits. You know, we've noticed this trend that the world is moving mobile for a while. And we took funding uh, about two years ago. We took a 40 million Series A. That was the only money invested in Imager aside from that $7 initially. Right. And at that moment, uh, that's when I pivoted the company to be mobile. We grew our iOS team and our Android team. We're still growing those teams. We're actually looking for engineers. And now we have really solid uh, mobile apps on both of those platforms. And the majority of our page views actually comes from mobile now, too. And our mobile users spend an average of four and a half hours a week on mobile. And so it's, it's really changed everything. And the engagement on mobile is just incredible. Yeah, I mean, just to put that uh, value in perspective, I once spent $40 million on a latte in San Francisco. Um, so. <laughs> yeah, so, so it's interesting. So with, with the mobile, with everybody having mobile now, so now that you've, you've launched the mobile app, what is your demographics that are using the app? Is, is, it, is it tending to be a, a younger crowd? 
Is it, that is, it, it is a younger millennial crowd. In fact, we have one of the world's largest concentrations of millennial men wow. on the platform. It's 150 million people. And in terms of the, you know, the audience, you have a pretty specific um, audience of a demographic, the, uh, the psychographics. You know, how will you leverage that or will you leverage that? And what are you doing in terms of sort of advertising to that audience and, and really making that stick? Because it, yeah. your audience is, is, is predominantly male, right? Um, yep. And it's a millennial. You know, typically they don't respond to adverts in the same way that older right. people do. So, how is that working out? How are you doing that differently to make sure that it, it works for them? Yeah, that's absolutely right. We actually call that audience the lost boys, because these are people that you really can't reach with traditional advertising. They're people that have cut the cable cord years ago, yep. and they all use ad block. In fact, some of them use multiple right. ad blockers. And so it is actually really hard to reach this audience. But the thing about them is that they're really influential. Like these are the people that are the tastemakers, the people that are really passionate about their interests. And these are the people that are creating content online about their interests. They're writing reviews. And so you, as a brand, you do want to be able to reach this audience because their friends even leverage them for advice. And so we've found, however, through our research that they can be reached through online communities. And so if you're a brand, nowadays it's really important for you to go where they are. Don't just blast your advertisement out to the entire internet through a display ad. That's, that's like what you did like in the you know, near 2000. Like we're, we're more, way more modern here where uh, you create native advertisements specific to the platform that you're on. And so our native advertising solution is called the Promoted Post. And you know, it doesn't get blocked by ad block because it's entirely native to the platform. And it allows brands to really authentically connect in the community and reach these people. Yeah, no, very cool. Great. Let me ask you this. So when you're talking about brands and now you have this new promoted post, you know, uh, a feature within your platform, how are brands able to become more geeky? Is, it, is there some sort of strategy or what kind of content do you find that works best for brands? Are brands having success yeah. on Imager? How's that working? Yeah, so brands are having success on Imager. In fact, we've worked with over 30 different brands now from Sony and Stars and Discovery and eBay uh, and Anheuser-Busch and Old Spice and, and many more. We've run over 150 campaigns. But what we've found is that it's really important to just, if you're a brand, to just be really authentic and actually engage in the community like you were a community member. Otherwise, you're just kind of spamming your ad um, and it comes across like as an ad, and these people are pretty, you know, advertising adverse. And so you want to become a member of the of the community, and that's what's really mm. drives success. And so we, when we started our promoted posts in the very beginning, we started with the philosophy that in order to bring value to the advertiser, we first have to bring value to the user. Right. So if it's value for the user, then it'll be value for the advertiser. Which means that we just have to really. Uh, really create amazing content for the users so that they, they think it's funny or insightful or they get information out of it. It can't just be another ad. You know, it has to deliver value. So what, what do you see that is the best content? What performs the best on Imager traditionally, would you say? Hmm. So I can give you one of my favorite examples is a promoted post that we ran for eBay. Okay. And so we identified something that our sort of millennial male kind of geeky crowd likes, and it's drones. 
right? So we created this uh, really great post that had multiple images. In fact, they were all high-quality GIFs you know, that are looping, um, 15 seconds each. And uh, the first one was like, here's the highest flying drone. Here's the fastest drone. Here's the smallest drone. Here's the drone that follows you around while you're on your bike. And it was, it was really, really cool. It's like I, I, I wanted to really buy a drone after looking Very at that nice. stuff because like, I didn't even know that drones could literally follow you around on your bike like, until I saw this post Very that our nice. team created. So it was informative and creative. Exactly. You know, obviously, this, this Lost Boys category that you've been going for, there's a lot of brands out there, a lot of marketers out there that might want to get access to that uh, demographic too. You know, how, how can brands get geeky? How can they really get into that audience? Um, obviously, if it's right for them, it's got to be right for them, but how yeah. can they get geeky? Get geeky by identifying the online communities that have these really passionate people in them. And so Imager is a really, really great source for that. Um, but there's, there's many other online communities, but I think we have a really unique offering through promoted posts. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, in terms of your personal favorite pieces of content on Imager, because you know, people don't just wake up and look at Imager to get a laugh. There's a bunch of people out there who wake up and look on Imager to see what's been reposted so they can go, repost! Uh, <laughs> but true. Uh, Yeah, it's true, right? It's true. Uh, but what is you know, some of your favorite pieces of content on Imager? So the thing that immediately comes to mind is we all know who the actor Michael Sarah is. There was a user who made his username. It was called a Michael Sarah post every day. <laughs> and that's exactly what he did. He photoshopped Michael Sarah into these really funny, amazing uh, GIFs um, and like kind of popping up out of nowhere, almost like surprise kind of thing. And somebody's face would, like morph into Michael Sarah's face. And he did it every day for a full year. <laughs> it's just really amazing the creative kind of things that, that people come up with. And it doesn't sound super funny or super creative as I just kind of say it. But if you're a member of the community and you, can, you, you, know, you wake up every day and you kind of see one of these things, you're like, what the heck is this? And it's, like, yeah. <laughs> it's really engaging and just really fun. Imager is just a really fun place to be. Absolutely. Uh, my, my favorite from uh, last week has been the guy that photoshopped himself into uh, Kylie Jenner's yeah. uh, photographs. He yeah. uh, gave himself a Jenner username and then that was all posted all over Imager. Really exactly. superb, incredible Photoshop work. Hey, listen, um, Alan, we, we would love to talk all day about this stuff, but of course, BB Engage always has a time limit, uh, and our time is up. So uh, thank you ever so much. Please give Alan Scharf, CEO of Imager, a round guy. of applause. Thank, thank you, you sir. Great stuff. Yeah, thank awesome. you. Nice. How about that? Stuart, our very first live VB Engage episode in front of a crowd ever. That was awesome, huh? It was awesome. I loved every minute of it. Fantastic fun. Absolutely. Great interviewing, Alan Schaff. Thank you so much for agreeing to, uh, to be on the show, in a show. It was very meta, very meta. Uh, so next week we have an amazing guest for us. Believe it or not, we have one of the co-founders of Reddit on with us next week. We have Alexis Ohanian with us. That is an amazing interview. We literally interviewed him the morning before we interviewed Alan Schaff and you know, the melancholy, you know, of, of, of the election and all the stuff that was going on. And we talked to him about how Reddit, you know, impacted the election and, and uh, very, very interesting, great, great, phenomenal interview. We love that one. And then also uh, last week, if you missed that, we had a great interview with Jesse Hanley and we talked mobile games and marketing around that. And uh, that was very fascinating as well. 
So there we go. This has been episode 31, if you can believe it, of VB Engage. So for Travis Wright, goodbye. And uh, even though I try not to repeat languages, since I've been in Finland all week, it's a uh, huva hyota. We'll see you guys next week.